me in John chapter 21 here again. <clears throat> a lot of times in times of chaos, we forget about the champion of love. We really do. And we'll find ourselves returning to what's comfortable to us. Uh, so many Christians today, one of the great enemies of a Christian life and of Christian growth is uh, not having a desire to get out of your comfort zone. We get, we get comfortable as Christians sometimes. You know, we, we feel like we, we're okay spiritually. <clears throat> we measure ourselves based on other Christians. And I think in 2023 sometimes it's easy to look around at Christianity and say, I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, I'm pretty faithful to God. I'm okay, right? But the fact of the matter is we should always have a desire. And boy, yes, we can be thankful that we are different in the world and we're trying to make a difference in this world. But we should always strive to be a little bit more like Jesus. We really should be. And what happens a lot of times is we get to the point where we think about returning to that which we left, right? So many Christians have done it, right? I've seen it so many times. When I first got saved, that was something that was warned of me. A young uh, preacher was warned, would warn me, hey, don't go back to where you used to, where you came from. You know, the dog returneth to his vomit. And <clears throat> we understand that principle as it's taught throughout the Bible. And here in this passage here, we see that Peter... Is, is, in a, is in a time of chaos. And, and in his defense, he doesn't have a New Testament. He has not written First and Second Peter. He doesn't have the book of Revelation yet. And so he is obsessed, as was all the other disciples, with the earthly kingdom of Jesus Christ. And at lunch today, we had a good discussion as a family. Of course, Brother Andy was there. We discussed a lot about the end of the world and what, what's coming. And I told you about what Joe Rogan said this morning and how he can't sleep at night because he's afraid of this this Armageddon and, and how the world is ending and to hear the number one podcaster in the world say he's, he's nervous about what's going on. It's sad sometimes when the world's paying attention more to what's going on than Christians are, right? And so a lot of times we, in the midst of chaos, we start to leave that which, which is where we're supposed to stay. I oftentimes hear preachers and Christians that say, I'm just going to quit. And I always ask them kindly, if you're going to quit, where are you going to quit to? I just want to know where you're going. What's better than this, right? Is the Christian life easy? It is difficult. Yeah, sure, it's difficult at times. But imagine life without Jesus Christ, right? And so Peter here goes back to what he's thinking because he's expecting this kingdom to be established. And, and remember, the evidence is found in Acts chapter 1 because the Jewish Christians here, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after all the activities that Jesus has done, even after all that stuff, they still ask the question of Jesus Christ. When they're seeing him in his glorified body, they say, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They were obsessed with kingdom. And they're still to this day obsessed with kingdom mentality. And we understand that Jesus is going to appease them for a while. For a thousand years, he is going to rule as king in Israel, right? Praise the Lord, that day is going to come. But boy, more importantly than that, and this is what we want Jewish people to see. We want everybody to see. By the way, Jew, Gentile, those are the two races, biblically speaking. We want everybody to see that there is a spiritual kingdom that far, is far greater than the earthly kingdoms of this world. Earthly kingdoms come and go. And even Jesus himself is not as interested in being king on this earth forever. He wants to be king in heaven forever. And he has earned the right for that title because of what he did, being obedient even to the death of the cross, according to Philippians chapter 2, and his sacrifice. And, and, and he is the one that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I often say as I travel and preach, everybody's going to bow their knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. It's very simple. 
You might as well do it while you're alive. If you do it before you die, you go to heaven. If you do it after you die, you go to hell. It's that simple. Everybody's going to do it. So you might as well do it before you die, right? And so here's Peter. He, he, takes, he takes the opportunity to return to fishing. That's what the Bible says. You see in, in John chapter 21 and verse right there, verse number, uh, we see right there, verse number uh, 3. Uh, Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And by the way, when we as Christians leave where we're supposed to be, Never forget, we're always going to end up taking people with us. I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed at some of the decisions parents make about the Christian faith and their walk with God. And my heart breaks sometimes because I know it's going to have an impact on their children. You know, a lot of times we make selfish decisions and we don't think about children. And I told you two weeks ago when I preached on the enemy getting comfortable in our home, that the older I get, the more and more I make decisions based on the future generations for this church, right? Because I want them, as Jesus tarries, to have still a strong church that emphasizes the gospel and preaches the complete word of God unashamedly. Amen? So important. So Peter leaves. Number one, he goes to the return. But I love this because Jesus comes to the shore, stands on the shore, and he knows everything that's going on, and he asks the question loud enough. He says, hey, children, have you any meat? Have you caught anything? How many are fishermen? You like fishing. I know we got a few fishermen. I, I've always heard that when you're, if you're a fisherman, the worst question you get asked is, have you caught anything yet? Especially if you haven't caught anything. If you've caught a bunch of fish, you're hoping somebody asks, right? Please ask me. I'll tell you, I've caught seven. I've caught 11. Grant, what did you catch the other, last summer at the, at the Bear Pond? Like 39, 38 fish he caught in one setting. Listen, your pastor has not caught 38 fish in his life. All right? He caught it in one night. Literally, Grant and I were fishing one time. I went to cast, and my hook got stuck in the tree. How'd that happen? He was doing fine. The other preacher that was doing was fine. Every time I cast, I was getting hooked in the tree. I'm like, I'm done with this sport. I'm done with this, man. All right. If it even is a sport. Anyway, but, 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 but they were fishing all night. These are expert fishermen. But once again, listen to me. Once you've tasted and experienced life with Jesus, even as difficult as it gets, as chaotic as it gets, you will never be able to achieve in life what you want like you were when you were with Jesus. It's just the way it is. The reward that Jesus Christ gave, I, I, I saw something so simple. It's the simple things of life, right? I saw an older, famous businessman recently say that the, the definition of success in life is simply this. This is, this is a beautiful statement. When your adult children want to come home and spend time with you. Wow. He didn't say, and he was a multi-millionaire. I won't name who he said that, but he was a multi-millionaire, very successful man. He's had companies, businesses, money, and he said, the definition of success is when your adult children still want to hang out with you. What a, ble- what a testimony that is, right? So here we are. We have the return. Peter is going back to fishing. We see that in verse number three. But watch, watch what Jesus does. And we, I've said this many times before. So many times as Christians today, we are harder. Or we're we're more, more rebuking towards Peter than Jesus ever was. So you have Peter who denied Jesus three times. Jesus never rebukes him. Jesus knew he was going to deny him. Jesus, Jesus knew. He told him, you're going to deny me three times. I mean, it was a known thing. It's over, right? And yet Jesus still restores him. As you go on down through the passage, you'll see that Jesus asked him three times, Simon Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter answers, yea, Lord. You know that I love thee. Number one, he says, feed my lambs. Number two, feed my sheep. Number three, feed my sheep. The first time is lambs. Jesus was sensitive. Don't forget the little ones. And then he mentioned sheep two times. And here we are in this passage here. 
So now, secondly, I want you to notice, Jesus begins to restore Peter. So what it was, Peter was looking for all night long, all the fishing he was getting to. Don't miss this. We're going to get to something really good, really that will encourage all of us tonight. As he was fishing, casting out the net, and we didn't, he know we didn't fish with a pole. He's casting out the net, casting out the net, casting out the net, struggling with his fishing, struggling with his fishing. Finally, Jesus says, put it on the right side of the boat. I know he probably meant right, left, right, but I, I like to think of the eye. He put it on the right side, right, not versus right versus wrong. He put it on the right side of the boat, and the Bible says he caught 153 fishes, just like that. So Peter's like, wow, now we got plenty of fish. So he finally gets what he was wanting, but don't miss this now. When he got to shore, Jesus already had what he needed waiting for him. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says here in John chapter 21, when he got to shore, the Bible says, when he came to land, verse 9, they saw a fire and coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Now, now here's the point I want us to make tonight. This is, this is so significant. So number two, Jesus restores him. He, he, Peter's getting back in now. We know that after Peter has this experience, and Peter gets full of the Holy Spirit of God, Peter becomes the great apostle, preaches 3,000 souls get saved, dies a martyr's death for Jesus Christ, suffers, stands, preaches. I mean, he literally was a part of that phrase at turning the world upside down. He helped get the gospel to the whole known world at that time. Peter, Peter. This fisherman, this simple fisherman, because he'd been with Jesus, right? But here's the point I want, to, I want us to make tonight. The dangerous part, part of being a Christian sometimes when, when, we're in, when we're in chaos, whether it's worldwide chaos or family turmoil or financial strains or illnesses, we start to get so far away from Jesus that when Jesus comes to where we need him to be, we don't even recognize him. We don't even recognize him. Have you ever been to a point in your life where you didn't even recognize Jesus anymore? I know I have. And I hate to admit that. I'm ashamed to admit that. But it's true. There's been times in my life where I didn't even recognize Jesus. And Jesus says, still calls them children. Children. But once he comes back close to the fire, you know what Jesus calls them? Simon Peter. You see, no matter how, this is, boy, don't miss this truth. No matter how far we get from Jesus, we're always his child. We are always his son and we're always his daughter. There's another verse that proves once saved, always saved, right there. I mean, he calls them children. You're still my son, Peter. I know you're standing on that boat naked, which is weird, all right? I know you're struggling with your fishing. And he screams out, hey, children, have you any meat? And John, who's kind of, he's struggling a little bit too. He's with Peter. I mean, he's still, he knows he's got to take care of Mary. He was standing at the foot of the cross, the only disciple that saw the crucifixion. But he actually recognizes, says, Peter, it is the Lord. And then that's when Peter says, man, John would know. He jumps into the water. They get back to shore. And then number three, Jesus begins to teach them about the principle of personal revival. And I want to spend a few minutes on this and I'll be done. Watch, let's be very careful right here. It was often been asked and discussed when I travel. People say, can there be a nationwide revival again in America? And there are some preachers that say, no, there's no hope. And I, I just can't bring myself to say that. I just can't. Because I feel like we would be limiting God if we said we couldn't have revival. I believe God could do a nationwide revival. I believe that. And I would love to see that. And maybe it will happen before the rapture happens. And that would be great, right? And what if we got to be a part of that? Well, what if it's not a nationwide revival? What if it's a statewide or citywide or churchwide or family-wide, right? 
Watch this, though. If none of those things ever happen, there's one guarantee biblically I can teach you tonight that we all can believe, and that's this. I can always have personal revival. I, you and I, can always, always have personal revival. And by the way, it starts there. Personal revival leads to family revival. Family revival leads to church revival. Church revival leads to city revival. City revival leads, and you see it's a ripple effect. But it starts with personal revival. Can I ask you a question tonight as your pastor and as your friend? Hey, how are we doing when it comes to the personal revival aspect of our walk with God? Are we close to the fire? Because here at the fire, when we get close to the fire, as you see, when Peter comes on, the Bible says it right here in verse number 9. It says, and as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire. And can I tell you something? Jesus is still making a fire today. He still has fish and bread there today. He still wants to keep you warm today. He still wants you close to him today. He wants to call you by your name today. He wants to teach you some things today. He wants us to experience personal revival. He wants our marriages to experience personal revival. He wants our homes to experience personal revival. He still wants to see us on fire. He still wants to see his people with passion. He still wants his preachers to preach with passion and sing with passion. One of the things I love about hearing Miss D sings, she doesn't just sing, she preaches while she sings, I feel like. I mean, you get stirred by it. Why? Because she's been through some pain, she's been through the hurt, but I believe that woman is living close to the fire. Hey, church, how close or far are we from the fire tonight? In the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all this turmoil, in the midst of all this mess that we're living in this world today, I challenge you and I challenge myself, stay close to the fire. Hallelujah. Fire that is made personally by the Lord Jesus Christ. He's making a fire. And isn't it interesting that even while the disciples were far away, watch this, and and, and not knowledgeable of the fire, Jesus still extends his voice, gently asking, hey, children, have you any meat? Hey, how's it going out there, in other words, without me? You would think Peter would learn. He's walking on water with Jesus. When he looked away from Jesus, he started to drown, right? How's it going out there, children? Huh? How you doing without me? Hey, put the net on the right side of the boat. And they do that. And I'm like, you forgot what it's like when you're with Jesus. Oh, they still had turmoil. They still had persecution. All those men on the boat, except for John, are going to die a martyr's death. Those men are going to spend some time in prison for what? Preaching the gospel. They're going to go through some tough times. But here's the lesson we learned tonight as I close. From that day forward, none of the men on that boat ever got away from the fire again. Stay close. I love the sign for close. That's far. I want to get close. Stay close to the fire. Heads about eyes are close. Thank you for listening to the world. same old fights shattered pieces all around oh God please hear me 
much longer till the victory comes and he tells me oh he tells me i am your healer when you need a touch i am the mender when life comes undone that's a promise so don't give up the deeper the pain the stronger my love child i know yes i know how much broken is enough be still and know that God knows me inside out so why should I doubt now I can trust the one who knows my heart and he tells me tells me I am the healer when you need a touch I am your mender when life comes undone that's a promise so don't give up the deeper your pain the stronger my love child i know yes i know how much broken is enough he is sovereign so i'm your healer when you need a touch i am your mender when life comes undone that's a promise so don't give up the deeper your pain the stronger my love child i know yes i know child i know yes i know how much broken oh how much broken is
gentlemen, may I have your attention? I want to introduce to you. Great. 